Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host and producer of the show, and today we'll be discussing yoga and balance, healing from the inside out. Yoga keeps us healthy, promotes resilience, and increases the body's natural healing ability. Yoga practices have been scientifically proven to help more than 100 different diseases and health problems. We'll be discussing how yoga balances the body and helps us to heal from the inside out. And I couldn't be more delighted to have joining me today, Amy Wheeler, PhD, who has been a professor of kinesiology at California State University, San Bernardino for 21 years. Amy's degrees include a BA and MA in health promotion and a PhD in education and psychology. Amy has extensive yoga teacher uh, sorry, yoga training in the Krishna Macharya tradition, and was certified as a yoga teacher, a yoga teacher trainer, and yoga therapist. Amy is co-founder of the Optimal State of Living, an organization that certifies yoga teachers and yoga therapists, and she is also president of the board of directors for the International Association of Yoga Therapists, or IAYT. You can find out more about Amy and her work at her website, amywheeler.com. You can also follow her on Facebook at Amy Wheeler, O-S-O-L, which stands for Optimal State of Living, or on the IAYT Facebook page at IAYT.org. IAYT is also on Twitter at IAYT. Welcome back, Amy. I am delighted that you could join me today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you for having me. I just love talking with you and... uh, Hopefully we can help some people find ways to get into balance uh, and take better care of themselves today. Mm, Lovely. So before we dive into our dialogue about yoga and balance, let's let's dive into a moment of practicing what we're about to talk about, a moment of meditation, a yoga moment. So let's begin right where we are, wherever we are, feeling our bodies in space, feeling where they connect to the chair, to uh, the earth, and start paying attention to our breathing, just noticing 
as we take a fully conscious breath, noticing as we inhale and exhale. On the inhale, feeling the cool air in the nostrils. And on the exhale, feeling the warm air flowing out. Not trying to change the natural rhythm of our breathing, but just noticing. And with every breath, allowing our breath to guide us as we dive within, dropping from our head into our heart, and just being present, noticing the essence of our being. This essence of our being, this one reality, is the source and substance of all that is, of everything in nature, of ourselves, everything and everyone around us. And as we rest here in this essence of our being, we may notice thoughts or feelings as they arise. We realize we can just watch them. Watch them as they arise and watch them as they pass away. Almost as though they're clouds passing across the sky. And as we rest in this essence of our being, we allow the peace there to pervade the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. Feeling as though each and every cell can open to that deep peace and joy, allowing it to sink in. And as we close this meditation, this yoga moment, let's be aware of bringing that peace with us. It's a portable peace, as Yogananda called it. Let's take it with us into our day and share it with all we meet. Om. Once again, Amy Wheeler, welcome back to the Yoga Hour. It's really delightful for me to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. As I said in the introduction, you are president of the board of directors for the International Association of Yoga Therapists, or IAYT. And I did want to just touch briefly on IAYT and mention that the annual conference, the Symposium on Yoga Therapy and Research, will be happening in Newport Beach, California, 
in uh, just a couple of months from June 13th to 16th, 2019. Listeners can find the details at IAYT.org. So, Amy, you've and been at... Sure, interrupt go ahead. for a moment and say sure. we are so happy to have Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien um, coming to talk to us at that conference. Well, thank you. Yes, I just yes. wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so you have been a yoga therapist for a number of years and have also done research on, on yoga therapy. What changes have you seen in the field of yoga therapy since you began? Well, one thing is that, you know, we have these 800-hour standards, which are actually 1,000 hours um, because you need a 200-hour yoga teacher training to even enter into a yoga therapy program. Mm -hmm. And so one of the big changes is just seeing how many schools are going for accreditation, which means more opportunities for people to get trained. Uh, that's, that's a big change that's happening. But then also the job prospects where more hospitals, more doctors, more mental health centers, physical therapy um, therapists are starting to really pay attention to yoga therapy and what it is that we do and how we do it. And I'm just seeing the field of healthcare, both physical and mental health care, get really, really interested in what we're doing. So, you know, one of the, the changes is that we as a yoga therapy organization need to decide, are we going to embrace um, other healthcare providers kind of wanting to come in and and look at all of the tools in our tool basket, like breathing and meditation and you know asana. Are we going to embrace that and say, yeah, go for it, bring this to your clients, bring this to your patients, or are we going to say, you know, something like, no, wait a minute, you're not quite qualified to use that. You have to go through this big long thousand-hour training. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the, the things that's really coming up. And what IUIT has decided to do is to embrace healthcare and mm -hmm. mental health care and say, yes, there's a full-fledged yoga therapist and they are qualified to do X, Y, Z. And we're offering these, um, you know, smaller programs that you're not a yoga therapist, but you can use a lot of these great tools to help in service to humanity and help people suffer less. So I'm kind of proud of that as, as the board all agreed that we should embrace healthcare and mental health care and not try to separate ourselves, but to go forward hand in hand with them. Yeah. So that's IAYT's current focus then is, um, you know, is this idea of how do we interface with other health providers? That's one of our current focus. Yes. And that, it goes hand in hand with our other current focus, which is how do we provide jobs for yoga therapists? Mm -hmm. um, because when someone goes through a thousand hours of training, they really want to be able to work and have right li livelihood when they get finished. So in embracing healthcare and mental health care, we are introducing yoga therapy to the world and promoting jobs and, and basically educating healthcare about what it is that yoga therapy can do. Mm -hmm. That's that's great. Um, so I know you'll be at the conference. I'll be there as well, the upcoming one in Newport Beach in June. Um, and uh, is there something in particular that you're really looking forward to, a presentation that's coming up? 
Yes, I am. Uh, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. <laughs> you know, she has just written this amazing book. Uh, and so we're having a, a talk uh, from her on Dharma and Artha, which are what is what is your life purpose? What is your last life path? And how can we have prosperity while doing that, which goes right into the current focus of IYT, which is probably why um, we have her coming. So uh, she has a new book out, as you know, and mm-hmm. um, we're just so looking forward to hearing how it is that we can do our life purpose and live, you know, properly and, and not feel fear about money and, you know, are we going to be able to pay our bills? We, we mm-hmm. should all be able to be abundant and thrive doing the yeah. work that we love. You know? Absolutely. And that is what her book is about, which is called The Jewel of Abundance. Thank you for that setup. That, that was great. So um, let's turn to just talking about you know yoga therapy more generally, yoga and yoga therapy. So one of the things that's so interesting to me is that yoga has been scientifically proven to improve so many different health conditions. And I appreciate the list that uh, Dr. Timothy McCall keeps on his website, which is drmccall.com. And uh, I've, as I've watched it, you know, over the years, the number of conditions continues to increase. And right now it's at 101 conditions benefited by yoga. Um, in addition to the expected improvement in musculoskeletal issues, uh, the list, which is alphabetical, uh, includes everything from alcoholism and Alzheimer's disease at the beginning, and then at the end, tuberculosis and urinary incontinence. So obviously, there's a wide range you know, of things that are covered in that list. The website also has links to the underlying scientific studies. So that's a great resource. You can go check it out, drmccall.com. So I know that as a yoga therapist, you've treated clients with a broad range of health issues. What has your experience been with this? Have you found yoga therapy to... I, I guess you could say be almost inherently therapeutic. One hundred percent. I mean, when you really get down to it, why do we get sick? We have inappropriate lifestyle choices, inappropriate diet choices. We have too much stress in our lives, which you know, all of this causes inflammation in the body, which then leads to heart disease and all sorts of other illnesses. So it is not surprising to me at all that when people start to use yoga and yoga therapy to reduce their stress levels, take down their cortisol, take down their, uh, the inflammation in their body, and all of that impacts their physical health, not to mention their mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, as a result of our practice, we, we get more clarity, we get more discernment, and then we start to think, you know what, I don't need that second glass of wine or that piece of pie. I think I might feel better tomorrow if I didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And so then you start to see this cascade, almost like a domino effect of better life choices in the areas of lifestyle and diet and relationship and work. And, and pretty soon we have what's called salutogenesis which basically means that you're, yeah, it's a, it's a new kind of emerging word um, that is basically saying you're going to live the best life that you can live and you're going to prosper and become the best version of yourself in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. And that's what yoga and yoga therapy does for people. So, you know, when you look at that big long list that you mentioned from Dr. Timothy McCall's website, 
it's not surprising to me because we're going to the underlying factors. We're treating the underlying factors, which like the roots of a tree, take the nourishment up the tree into the branches, and it shows up in so many different ways um, through the branches and the flowering of the tree. Mm-hmm. So I, um, when I think about yoga and uh, yoga therapy, I really think about vitality, this idea of vitality, which I think is tied to our self-healing ability. Um, and obviously, as a Western-trained physician, I saw people all along the spectrum, you know, of health to disease. Um, and and obviously, it made a difference. Um, their underlying vitality made a difference in terms of whether they got sick, uh, and then clearly made a difference in terms of how fast they could bounce back from an illness. What was interesting to me when I thought about vitality, though, as a Western-trained physician, I just don't feel that there are a lot of tools uh, that um, traditional medicine, traditional uh, Western medicine, I should say, um, has to offer. I mean, certainly there's recommendations about just a few of the things you mentioned, you know, improving your diet, getting exercise and sleep, making sure someone's not depressed. Certainly all those are things and important things that Western physicians can do. But when I look at the yoga toolbox, um, it's quite remarkable how many more tools there are to work with, with people. Have you, have you found that? Yes, I think, you know, this idea of stress resiliency and improved vitality is is a big part of what we do. And we have wonderful tools like, you know, simple eating and getting to bed by 10 o'clock and taking breathing breaks during the day when you feel stressed out or taking a walk in nature. Like there's so many tools in the yoga toolbox. But what I think really creates vitality when you when you say that through you know allopathic medicine you have as a you know physician watched some people have more ta- uh, more vitality and therefore have better outcomes. In my uh, experience as a yoga therapist, I think that is very very connected to people who are deeply connected to themselves. They know why they are here. They have meaning in their life. They have purpose in their lives. They want to get well so that they can get out and see their grandkids again and care for them or be of service in some way. They have a real reason to to live and to be alive. And and getting sick is just a bump in the road, and they, they want to get back to whatever wonderful things they were doing as opposed to someone with a whole lot less vitality, um, may not have that reason to get up in the morning, that meaning and purpose in their life, what we call dharma. And they may have actually lost their deep self-connection or even their connection to the divine. And so a big part of what we do as yoga therapists is not just lifestyle medicine, as I mentioned earlier, with the, you know, here's, you know, how you can eat according to yoga and here's how you should sleep according to Ayurveda. There's that whole wonderful toolbox, but probably some of the most profound work that we do as yoga therapists is to help people get back to that self-connection, that meaning and purpose in their lives. And that, I think, is what really gives them that vitality that you're talking about. Mm. 
Absolutely. The um, <clears throat> connection to our, you know, to our higher uh, purpose um, is, is very therapeutic. I, I'm wondering, uh, um, I don't know if you're familiar with like the health optimists and health pessimists. Um, there were some research studies that basically had doctors, uh, primary care doctors rate, I forget what the scale was, but basically gave a number, you know, maybe it was from one to a hundred, but, you know, basically some kind of a number to the person's health based on all the, you know, chronic conditions and the lab tests and age and vitality and all kinds of things. And then they had the patients do it themselves. And there were patients who rated themselves higher than their doctors. And those are labeled health optimists. And then they also had ones that, you know, labeled themselves lower than their doctors, maybe someone even who didn't, you know, have very many chronic diseases, if any, but still just didn't feel that their health was very good. Um, and maybe that is a marker, you know, for underlying vitality. But at any rate, what they found that was so interesting is that it did have a difference in terms of survival. Health optimists, you know, definitely outlived their doctor's predictions. And um, health pessimists ended up, you know, dying um, more, more quickly, more, you know, uh, sort of unexpectedly sooner than the doctors had anticipated. So anyway, I just thought that was uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Fascinating. And, you know, this is what the teachings of yoga say is that your mind is very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. And if you think you can, or you think you can, you're probably right. (laughs) I think that's actually a, a quote from, from someone else, but it, it is the essence of yoga that, what you focus on expands what you you know what you think matters and so if you are thinking i'm going to kick this thing and i'm going to get out of here and i'm going to get back to my wonderful life it's going to be very very different than if you're lying in bed thinking why am i here am i about to die would that be okay maybe it'd be better you know yeah it's you can you can see how how it plays out Yes, and the tools of yoga really, um, although most people, when you say yoga, they just think of the physical uh, asanas, the postures, but the tools of yoga extend so far beyond that, and it really truly is holistic. So it really, as you've mentioned, you know, touches people's bodies, minds, and spirits. Right. I think we talked about this in another Yoga Hour um, radio show with each other that, you know, if you look at a text like Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, only three of the over 180 or 190 sutras talk about the yoga postures, and another seven or eight talk about um, pranayama or breathing. And the rest, you know, are talking about your mind and how to get your mind in right order. Mm-hmm. Yes, and some of the practices of yoga that people might be surprised about, you know, for example, are self-study, you know, so what does that have to do with a physical posture? I mean, I guess you could self-study your physical postures as well, but that's the very narrowest interpretation of it. You know, it really is, uh, um, you know, being aware of um, yourself as you interact with others, as you, your thoughts, you know, your inner thoughts, um, all kinds of things like that. Yes, I think the conversations we have with ourselves, which are largely unconscious to us, um, are the most important conversations we're having in life. Mm -hmm. And if we have a little more self-awareness and self-reflection, we can understand, uh, you know, why our life is unfolding the way that it is. 
So in working with your uh, clients and students, um, we, we've been talking, we talked earlier in the program about this vitality, this, this question of, you know, vitality. What ways have students or clients noticed this increased vitality and resilience? It's interesting. I've been working with the client for about a year now, and she just has very, very little motivation to do anything that we agree is in her therapeutic plan. Mm. And we keep meeting, and she keeps not having compliance. And <laughs> then just the other day, something happened. She woke up. Suddenly, the world looked different to her. She said, you know what, I really do want to do this. In addition to yoga therapy, I'm looking for a psychologist right now. And I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm ready. And so I was about ready to give up. I thought, oh, this is going nowhere. It's been a year. <laughs> but what I didn't realize is that we were creating a foundation, almost like planting a garden where you have to till mm-hmm. the soil and wait for the right season and then plant the seeds and wait for the, the flowers to pop up. We had been doing that for so long that I was feeling like it wasn't going to work. And suddenly she has all this energy and motivation to move forward and and make a better life for herself and her son, which is what she said she always wanted. So she's getting up early. She's starting to you know walk with her Fitbit. She's drinking more water. She is trying to get to bed at a, a better hour. She is looking for you know positive quotes to put all over her house and remind her you know where she's going and what she wants out of life. She's more willing to do a daily yoga and meditation practice because she's now committed. So, you know, she's eating differently. So it's very interesting to just see when that spark finally gets lit that people, when they start to have this vitality, are all of a sudden ready to make changes in their lives that maybe seemed impossible before. That's such a great, uh, great story. And I love the the image of the garden, you know, planting seeds and then, you know, seeing and sometimes it takes a while for it to spark. And with that, uh, we have come to the end of the first segment. So you're listening to the Yoga Hour. Our special guest today is Amy Wheeler, who is a yoga teacher, yoga teacher trainer and yoga therapist, as well as a professor at California State University, San Bernardino for the last 21 years. You can find out more about Amy at her website, amywheeler.com. Lots of programs there, lots of training programs and um, other ways that you can participate with Amy. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the Yoga Hour. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about healing from the inside out. We'll be right back. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. 
If you enjoy the programming, please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. God is extravagant supply. Get that, extravagant. God is extravagant supply. He brings forth the best robe. He spreads the banquet table, as we saw last night, with good things on which we may feast. He overflows our cup. He opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing. And then this is what that Unity Correspondence Course said. Why are you satisfied with such meager living when you may have so much? To find out more about Unity teachings, visit unity.org. Unity is proud to announce the first-ever New Thought Walden Awards, honoring 27 leaders who are helping to change the world. Some are well-known, but most are unsung heroes. They care about spirituality, healing, interfaith understanding, caring for the earth, and social activism. Read about them in the September-October edition of Unity Magazine, or go online to waldenawards.com. Congratulations to all. Give someone you love the gift of inspiration with a subscription to Unity Magazine. Each issue has interesting articles and compelling interviews from some of today's most prominent spiritual thought leaders. Explore new ideas in health, science, spirituality, and a lot more. Send gifts to your family and friends and save $7 off the subscription rate. Get a one-year subscription for just $14.95. This offer ends on December 31st, so go to unity.org to find out more. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore and other legendary Unity teachers with Reverend Bob Brock and Unity Classic Radio. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Central, Bob shares original radio transcripts from the Unity archives with truth students worldwide. Explore these timeless teachings and learn how to apply them to your life today. Listen live or on demand. You can also connect with Reverend Bob on his Unity in Action Facebook page. Tune in every Tuesday here on unityonlineradio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back to The Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the show. My guest today is Amy Wheeler, Ph.D. Amy is a uh, yoga teacher, yoga therapist, and president of the board of directors for the International Association of Yoga Therapy. You can follow her on Facebook at Amy Wheeler OSOL, which stands for Optimal State of Living, or you can follow the IAYT Facebook page at IAYT.org. IAYT is also on Twitter at IAYT. Amy, in the first segment, we discussed how the practices of yoga can improve many different health conditions. And 
We didn't touch on this, but um, oftentimes there's a hypothesis that the reason yoga is so helpful across such a broad range of conditions is that it improves uh, our stress levels. It reduces stress. And um, certainly um, that is a big factor in our lives today, you know, stress. Um, But in addition to this um, effect on reducing stress, Yoga philosophy recognizes the existence of life force or prana and yoga therapy, I'm sorry, yoga philosophy holds that this prana runs through the body in channels, which are called nadi. This view of yoga is similar to, though not identical with traditional Chinese medicine's view of qi, or again, life force running through meridians. This flow of prana happens in one of the sheaths, um, which yoga philosophy holds that we have actually five, not just the physical body, which is uh, uh, the physical sheath is one, but then there's this this uh, energy sheath called the pranamaya kosha. And that's also where the chakras are located. So in the yogic view, what happens when the energy flow through the channels becomes blocked or imbalanced? It is, you know, a little strange for maybe western people to hear about but once you experience it you feel this to be true even though western measurements cannot pick up on such a subtle thing as prana so according to the yogic view when we um, get too much what we call mala m-a-l-a or dirt on any of the five layers of our being it blocks the flow of this life force energy or this vitality so the the blockage could be that you have a physical blockage where maybe you're constipated or you have a frozen shoulder something like that that would block the flow of prana it could be an energetic block um, where you know there's an area in your body that's feeling very stuck or sluggish and not not flowing properly, maybe an organ or a gland isn't working properly. Um, This mala or this blockage could also be mental blocks, like depression or something like that, where you just cannot see a different outcome. You can't see yourself making progress. Um, The blockages could also be on the personality level, where there's something in your personality that's not allowing you to move forward. Maybe you have a very sharp tongue and you don't realize how much you're hurting people, something like that. And then there could also be blockages on the spiritual level where you don't have trust or faith in the divine or even trust or faith in yourself that you can get through the day. So what we say is that on those five layers, you could have some major obstacles or some major blockages and that that stops the life force vitality from flowing through your system. Absolutely. And yoga holds that that's one of the mechanisms or maybe the mechanism that then can result in various diseases. Absolutely. So if you have a serious, let's just talk about the personality level because a lot of times that's where major, major blocks show up. If you, on the personality level, don't have a way to deal with your stress, your relationships at work or at home, 
and you end up, you know, emotional eating every time you have an upset, that you can see how that's going to eventually possibly result in something like diabetes or heart disease or obesity. Yes. And on even just like a physical level, the optimal, you know, flow or the balanced flow of energy, you know, through these nadis is the underlying support for our organs, um, you know, everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we could get into the very esoteric uh, teachings of prana and how it flows. They, we have many, many ancient texts from India that are thousands of years old, uh, like the Tathayatri Upanishads, that really get in detail and in-depth about how it is the prana flows through the body and how it gets blocked and how to unblock it and all of this um, type of language. And sometimes when we're talking to Western physicians or psychologists or physical therapists and trying to explain what we do, that is a little too esoteric for them. That's right. Um, they don't quite. They don't quite get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, as you've just mentioned, you know, at at the current moment, the present time, we don't have a way to measure this vital force in the body. There's no MRI or CT scan that measures this prana flow, you know, through the body. Cannot identify blockages, etc. So, as a Western-trained scientist, scientist and researcher. Knowing that the idea of vital force has not been scientifically proven, how do you approach this topic? Honestly, if I'm talking to a doctor that is not educated or receptive in this area, I go back to something like, okay, yoga and yoga therapy are really good at regulating and balancing the autonomic nervous system. And through um, you know, using the sympathetic part of the nervous system at the correct time in the right place and then getting out of the sympathetic and getting back into the part of the nervous system that's for rest and digest, the parasympathetic nervous system, and using that appropriately to de-stress and rest and renew and then using the sympathetic as needed and coming back to the parasympathetic. I usually talk about it in terms of this balancing of the nervous system and how that impacts all the organs all of the glands functioning in the human body. Now, what I know to be true that I don't always say to them if they're not open to it is that the nervous system is one of the primary ways that we run prana through our bodies. Mm -hmm. It's the most gross, tangible um, way that prana can be seen moving through the body. Yeah, that's actually really, really helpful. And and clearly, the effects on the parasympathetic nervous system are, you know, absolutely valid. I mean, we, we know that we know, right. you know, that, that that is, at, you know, scientifically proven at this point. I guess when, when I think about it, I, I think about it in a couple of different ways. I think, first of all, about um, the difference between something that's unproven and something that's disproven. And so in order to disprove something, you know, you have to have kind of evidence that it's not the case. And clearly there there isn't any, you know, evidence. And part of the um, perhaps unscientific, but um, one way of validating something is to realize that the both traditional Chinese medicine and yoga have been practiced for thousands of years, literally. And 
I personally feel like people aren't going to keep doing something for thousands of years that doesn't help at all. So that's kind of an indirect proof for me. Um, but uh, um, the other thing is just to realize how much we know and how much we don't know about what happens in the body. So for example, on a cellular level, we know a lot now about different for example, receptors that are on the surface of cells, which are the targets of action of many of the drugs um, that, you know, that are developed. Um, and all of that molecular medicine is very powerful, obviously. You know, we can do things now that we've never been able to do and save people's lives in ways we've never been able to save them before. And yet at the same time, for example, imagine that, you know, there's a patient who has cancer. And if you look up in a book, you know, this cancer can go to any of a whole variety of different metastatic, you know, sites for example, it could go to the brain, it could go to the liver. And yet in one particular patient, it does this. In another particular patient, it does that. Well, why? Why, why is that in each particular patient? So again, I don't, um, I don't feel that a molecular mechanism can answer that question. And so I, I'm hoping that at some point in time, probably not anytime soon, but uh, there we will be able to measure things like you know, vital force in the body. So, I do think we will. I think there's people working on it right now. Um, I think that you know it's only a matter of time before we can find a measurement tool that can measure such subtlety. But like you said, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. This has stood the test of time. And you know, I have a my father-in-law who is not into any kind of yoga or traditional Chinese medicine anything like that. He had plantar fasciitis. And after many, many different tries of, you know, trying to fix it, nothing worked. And so he kind of threw up his hands and said, fine, I'll try acupuncture, try to get the meridians in my feet unblocked. And what do you know, it worked, right? Mm -hmm. So I think (laughs) you don't even have to believe in it, and it still can work. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's let's turn our attention to some ways that yoga can help us to rebalance the energy flows in, in the in the body. So the first one that comes to mind always for me is, of course, yoga asana or yoga postures. Um, how what's your experience? What effect does yoga asana have on energy flow in the body? Well, I think this is where yoga therapy is actually super, super helpful because sometimes when we just go to a group, asana class it's wonderful it opens up your hips and your low back and your you know chest and your all the muscles that get so tight from sitting and it does a very good job at at the general prana flow of your system whereas in yoga therapy we go in for the individual and try to target okay where is the the prana blocked in this person's individual system And again, we can use asana, but we might choose carefully which asanas we know will not hurt them and asanas that will target that specific place in the body. Mm -hmm. When I think of asana, I always think about it in terms of um, kind of how how we are in our bodies every day. And I know, for example, I hold tension in my body in certain very characteristic ways for me. I hold it in my jaw, tighten my jaw. I have some in my shoulders. And what I found, especially when I was working that involved, you know, doing a lot of computer work, I would sit and I would sit in that posture 
you know, for endless hours. I mean, I would get up and stretch and, you know, do those things. But still, you know, I was mostly in that posture. And then I think about other types of exercise, like, you know, walking or running. A lot of times you just walk or run in that same posture (laughs) because you're not really aware of it, you know. And the nice thing about, you know, yoga asana with the emphasis on, you know, moving the spine in the six directions and making sure everything, basically what we're doing in a a yoga class, in an asana class, is we're putting our body in a different posture, literally. And then you often often will get, you know, prompts about, you know, check your body for different areas of tension. Often it's the jaw that's mentioned, it could be the shoulders. Um, and so I think that's one of the reasons at the end of a yoga class, people feel so much better is that they've taken their body out of its the usual way that they use it and, you know, stretched, which actually can also, you know, help activate, you know, meridians and uh, get the energy flowing better. I completely agree. And then, you know, the thing that's special about yoga asana is that we're also coordinating our breath and focusing our mind all at the same time it's it's a little different than walking on the treadmill while watching the news right quite a bit different I'd say yeah yeah you're you're consciously putting your body in these unique positions that get the spine moving in the six directions that you normally don't get in daily life but in addition you're coordinating that with your your breath and your mental attention and when you put those three things together that's what I call asana, which is very different than gymnastics or calisthenics or something else where maybe you're not coordinating the breath, the mind, and the body. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that part, you know, of a yoga class. And those are my most enjoyable, you know, ones. Although I would say that the that yoga classes that are out there, some of them really are more like the running, you know, scenario that we've been talking about and that there's not a lot of attention that's paid to where your mind you know is and it's really just kind of moving your body on a cardiovascular level or going for like a cardiovascular level of fitness or something and that's not wrong but I feel like they're missing you know some of the key benefits of yoga yeah I I choose to think that we all come in where we are and that for a lot of the people who are kind of using yoga asana as calisthenics or some kind of fitness routine that we're just meeting them where they are and hopefully within a few years we will get them to be interested in that internal experience that interoception that placing their mind in different parts of their body and connecting to their deeper self so i think it's just a developmental um you know Thing that we're looking at that we're mm-hmm. we're meeting where they are and we're going to take them where we want them to go <laughs> yeah no, absolutely great great uh, observation so as we've said uh, talking about the life force or vital force it is called prana in the yoga system and prana is associated with our breath so there is something called pranayama what is the role of pranayama in your experience in balancing our energy you know, it's very interesting. I personally have had great success in just teaching people how to breathe very deeply, bringing the breath down into the very bottom of their lungs. There's some receptors down there that uh, give some very nice signals to the body when you breathe deeply. And, and just practicing a little hold at the top of the inhale once the breath is taken in and then you exhale the breath back out and you maybe find a little pause at the bottom of the exhale and just having people tune in 
five, six, seven times a day for maybe even two or three minutes and and drawing the breath deeply in and finding those little pauses, that is some of the most powerful pranayama a person can do. And I think the key is short bits throughout the day. You know, doing a 30-minute pranayama practice early in the morning and then getting very stressed out and not paying attention to your body, mind, or spirit for the next 23 hours is very different than I'm committing to five or six or seven times and having these little breathing breaks and continuously letting my system know that it's very safe, I'm calm, we don't need to overreact here, check in, how am I feeling, have some interoception. I think that is a very, very powerful way to use pranayama. And we would call those little pauses at the top and the bottom little kumbhakas or you know, little pauses or holds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so in, in doing that all day long, you stay more balanced throughout the day and your prana flows better. Absolutely. Um, I like the advice of kind of shorter, you know, more frequent um, periods of paying attention to our breath throughout the day. I think that's great. Um, I've also found that that um, being able to relax the belly when people are breathing, um, for some people, it's just something that it's not what they do. And it is true that, you know, we're told to, you know, hold our bellies in, et cetera. Um, but perhaps even putting a hand, you know, on your belly as you're taking that deep breath, you know, down deep into your lungs and, and feeling it, you know, expand. Um, sometimes you can feel it sitting up. Um, some people get more of a sense of it when they do it at the first time, maybe lying down, you know, and just really, you know, feeling the the belly expand like a like a balloon, really, as, as the air goes down deep into the lungs. Um, can also be uh, a helpful addition to to the prana practice, the breathing practice that you talked about. Absolutely. I mean, really, any time you stop and pay attention to your breath in any way is going to be very beneficial. It brings you inward. It draws your senses inward. It gets you in touch with what's happening inside of yourself. So that's not to say that we don't have very specific techniques for different problems, but in general, if someone just did deep breathing multiple times a day, I think they would benefit tremendously. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, meditation, which I, I know you mentioned earlier, you know, as one of the one of the tools of yoga, um, I think is just a, an absolutely wonderful practice for everyone and has so many health benefits. Absolutely. I can't stress enough, you know, and there's, again, multiple forms of meditation that can work for different people. Um, But when you finally taste the sweetness of coming inward and connecting deeply with yourself and possibly the divine, and you get into that quiet, still place within yourself, it is addictive. (laughs) It (laughs) might take a while to get there. Like when I, I have a college students that I teach for 10 weeks at a time and you know it may take them several weeks to get that first taste of meditation but once they get it they they want more of it right Mm -hmm. so it's a it's a beautiful free gift that people can have at any time any day I just I want the world to know about 
the benefits of meditation and the sweetness of it. Mm-hmm. So we've got about um, a little less than three minutes left. I was going to ask you about the autoimmune diseases because it is something that you offer a specific training in, you know, on your website. One of the things that been, that's been so interesting to me is that the autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis and Crohn's disease that arise from our body's immune system attacking a part of one's own body have become more and more uh, common. Do you have any ideas about that, why the frequency of autoimmune diseases is on the rise? Yes, I do. I think we have become so out of touch with the nature, the circadian rhythms of our own bodies that are also in alignment with the rhythms of nature. I think we have become so detached and we have pushed our nervous systems, our immune systems, our endocrine systems so far without checking in and taking care and practicing self-care and we're just pushing 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 24 7 as if we are some kind of robot or machine that needs an occasional you know oil change and that is not how the human system is supposed to work in ayurveda we have these very specific daily routines called dinacharya saying when you wake up, here's what you should think about and have gratitude and then you should go brush your teeth in this way and then you can have a bowel movement and then do you know your next activity and, and it really maps out how to keep your body in alignment with your own circadian rhythms but also, as I said, the, the rhythms of nature. So I think what autoimmune diseases are is a complete disconnect from paying attention to what your system needs in an attempt to people please and perform and, you know, type A personality, make money, be the superstar out there. And we've traded in our health for wealth, essentially, and pushed ourselves beyond the limits that is appropriate for the human system. And fortunately, yoga has a lot of ideas and yoga therapists have a lot of ideas about how to improve that, right? We do. We'd love to help you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And unbelievably, with that, uh, we are at the end of our conversation. You've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It has been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the show, and we've been discussing Healing from the Inside Out with our special guest, Dr. Amy Wheeler. Amy has been a professor of kinesiology at California State University San Bernardino for 21 years. She is a yoga teacher, yoga teacher trainer, and yoga therapist, also president of the Board of Directors for the International Association of Yoga Therapists, or IAYT. You can find out more about Amy and her uh, work her many training programs at her website, amywheeler.com. Thank you so much, Amy, for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. And then as a reminder, IAYT will be having its annual conference, the Symposium on Yoga Therapy and Research in Newport Beach, California, from June 13th to 16th, 2019. Listeners can find out details at iayt.org. Join us next week for Serving Others in the Digital Age Karma Yoga 
and social media. When my guest will be Nipun Mehta, founder and chief inspiration officer of Service Space. We will be discussing how we can each perform small acts with great love to create positive ripples in the world. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. For more information about the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, visit csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're enjoying it, maybe mention it to a friend. That'd be great. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, regular host, founder, and director of the show, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producer, Ann Hayes, CSE's global media outreach manager, Holly Gray, and Louis Pagan and Jeff Comfort in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again while Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.